Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our webinar on, on tokenization, the spectre that is haunting CSDs. I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance, and I'm delighted to moderate our discussion today. Now, we last visited this subject back on the 4th of December. And that day, I remember it very clearly, even the representative of a relatively conservative financial market infrastructure forecast that conventional securities exchanges and tokenization platforms would be of equivalent size within five to 10 years. Now, outstandings in the global bond markets ended 2019 at $106 trillion. The value of the global equity markets at the end of that year was $95 trillion. So even if tokenization affects a one-to-one substitution of outstandings, which it won't, of course, we're talking about a $100 trillion market in the offing. If token markets match securities markets for values, we're talking about a DeFi token market, uh, capitalized at about 95 billion when I last looked, uh, will increase in size more than 2,000 fold in five to 10 years. Now, if that prediction turns out to be even 10% true, central securities depositories are dealing not with an efficiency enhancing technology, not with an investment opportunity they can assess by the usual methods of risk and return, they're actually facing an existential threat to everything that they do. Which is why we decided to devote an entire webinar to discussing how real that threat is, and no matter how real or unreal it is, uh, what CSDs should be doing about it. Uh, And to help uh, offer the many CSDs who've signed up to this event that advice, I'm joined by four experts in this field. Chris Richardson is founder and CEO at Percival Software, which specializes in technologies for CSDs and other post-trade activities. Uh, Vivek is vice president and co-head of the Financial Solutions Group at TCS, where he's led the transformation of the TCS Banks technology, which is the platform for CSDs globally. TCS Banks is a set of products for banking, capital markets, and insurance, not just CSDs, and it's used by over 450 financial institutions globally. Uh, Importantly, Vivek also heads Courts, the TCS startup for solutions that are leveraging distributed ledger technology. Richard Crook is founder of Lab 577, a software company at the nexus of financial services and emerging technologies, assisting incumbents and disruptors to fund uh, their enterprises, to find new revenue, to cut costs, and to improve customer experience in financial services. Doton Romani, he leads the Blockchain Innovation Strategy and Emerging Technologies Group at the London Stock Exchange. He was formerly CTO at BlockX, the supplier of digital asset uh, exchange technologies. Now, in addition to our panelists, we also have you, uh, our audience. Uh, we want your questions. We want your comments. So send them, keep sending them. Uh, and we won't save them up to the end, but we'll answer them as we go along. So it's uh, up to you. You can be a fully engaged member of this discussion, an integral part of it, if you choose to be. But there's so much to talk about and not long to talk about it. So I'm going to begin uh, with the point which I started my remarks with, which is that we heard last time that the security token markets could be as big as the securities markets in five to 10 years. Now, uh, Dayton, I'd like to come to you first about this. Is the growth trajectory of tokenization large and fast enough for that actually to happen? Uh, And even if it isn't, is tokenization happening fast enough or likely to happen fast enough uh, to worry CSDs? And I'm thinking here that uh, these digital asset technologies can actually scale very quickly. So will it happen soon? And even if it doesn't happen soon, should CSDs actually be doing something? Doton, give us your thoughts. 
Yeah, happy, happy to, Dominic. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think soon is, is, is probably uh, somewhat optimistic in that respect. I think, you know, given, um, you know, the growth that we've seen in the space thus far, um, you know, we, we've heard of some of the larger projects that have happened, you know, happening in the ecosystem, looking at tokenization in the context of digital securities. You know, a lot of a lot of investment and a lot of the, uh, activity has, has been going on primarily in, in the kind of private markets and, the um, you know, primary market side, uh, side of side of side of the, uh, the asset lifecycle. But you know, clearly, there, you know, there's movement on the on the on the post trade side, which has been quite interesting. I mean, I think in terms of uh, you know how fast fast it will go in terms of reaching scale, uh, it will it will inevitably take time. I think the larger barriers are less around technology. I think technology maturity is mostly there. Um, I think it's mostly around um, just you know the, the the regulatory compliance and trying to um, find ways in which to fit the technology around you know the regulatory regimes that we see. Uh, in existence today, and I think you know those are some of the some of some of the difficulties that we've seen across the ecosystem. We've certainly explored some of the um, uh, 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 structures around that in terms of you know how can we build DLT or explore building DLT solutions that may be uh, you know uh, may be able to comply with existing uh, regulatory regimes both in the, U the UK and in Europe. So I think you know if, if we're saying five to ten years, I would probably lean towards the the latter end of that. And now, Jason, you're, you're an exchange group. Do you worry at London Stock Exchange that regulatory arbitrage, you just brought up regulation, is going to play a part in accelerating the growth of the security token market? In other words, a jurisdiction might see this as a way to build a, a marketplace very quickly by having kinder regulation, if you like, towards the security token uh, platforms. I would say less so. I mean, I think when we, we talk in the context of security tokens specifically, I mean, ultimately they're just securities, and 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 you know these are legal constructs, and therefore you know the robustness of of, of a, you know a, a state's legal system or a country's legal system is very very important. You know, we in the UK have benefited quite well from having a very robust um, a, 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 a legal system around uh, securities law uh, and, and regulations to govern that. So I think that's been quite attractive to issues all over the world. And I, and I think that will that will that will remain, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, being so. And I think, you know, when you see a lot of the um, a lot of the slowness in the development of the securities uh, security tokenization uh, world, uh, when compared with let's say the crypto assets uh, world, you, you see a lot of it is, you know, a, a lot of a lot of institutions and a lot of participants across the market are playing the wait and see game, very much, you know, waiting for the major markets to, um, you know, reach a stage of comfort with these technologies and reach a state of comfort with you know, allowing businesses to conduct activities with these with these instruments. So, thanks, Jason. Now, Richard. I'd like to hear from you about um, that regulatory point that um, that Doton's raised. But before I do, I'd like to get uh, thoughts from Chris and uh, and Vivek on how quickly they think the tokenization of securities is going to take off. Perhaps we could start with with you, Chris. What's your forecast? The speed of this development. Uh, you might be on mute, Chris. My apologies. Okay. Um, it, it depends on, on su successes, very visible successes. So if you've got uh, an example that's a runaway success, there'll be copycats and, and it will build from there. I mean, that, that's what affects the speed more than anything else, I would say. Vivek, what do you think? The What's the, what's the TCS? projection you've heard the swift one very massive in five to ten years that's a central forecast not even their most optimistic uh, do you think they're off the pace there or way ahead of themselves a little bit of a slow start is what we would see i think um, you know uh, naturally um, but then i think when it when it takes off it will be a hockey stick uh, it will not be a gradual growth 
um, because you know, like Chris also said, I think once there is a certain amount of success, it will just completely take off. Um, that's the kind of you know, that's what I would uh, I would anticipate. Um, currently, if you look at it, everyone is trying to see you know there is uh, there is a certain level of wait and watch. But but if some organizations wait and watch, then somebody else would take that space and they would be left behind, right? Um, so that, that that would be my view. I think when it accelerates, it will really accelerate at a very high pace of growth, multiples per year, not ten percent, fifteen percent growth per year. It will just completely, you know, uh, take over. I would think that that's how I I see it over the next ten years. Yeah, but Viva, you've got lots of CSDs as clients, as has Chris. What what do you see? What proportion of those clients are actually doing something about this right now? Not a very high proportion, uh, to be honest, uh, actually, Dominic, because, um, see, there is a certain level of, you know, like I said, a, a wait and watch approach. Uh, CSDs are also, in a sense, used to being uh, national organizations. Um, there is a natural, you know, regulatory uh, role for them, a quasi-regulatory role and a natural protection about what they do. Uh, they are designed for a specific purpose, but what is happening in terms of tokenization and the way it will grow, it will be parallel to what a lot of CSDs see as the purpose of their existence today, right? A lot of them see that as uh, a settlement and as custody of uh, equities, bonds, of electronic securities. But then this, this when, when this runs in parallel, you know, if they do not adopt, uh, not just technology, they have to adopt a different way of doing business. Uh, and then, you know, I, I don't see a lot, of, a lot of that happening. I would think that there is a small proportion of uh, CSDs who are uh, working on tokenization, but then that, that will really change, that, that will need to change. Otherwise, you would have other organizations which are similar to CSDs who would do this. Um, Richard, I'd it's like probably a very, very strong view, but I think that... Can I, can I just come in on the, on the side here and, and just talk a little bit about regulation because that's compartmentalized at a national level. So there's a competition. Most national regulation doesn't allow competition from outside. And the CSDs in the smaller markets who are looking at tokenization are looking at it from a perspective of gaining business that they don't currently have. There's no competition within the country. That's guaranteed by regulation and international standards, which ask for a central securities depository, some central way of organizing this. We forget that. That's part of a standards. Those standards are the end result of an experiment that we have been running over 300 years. So <laughs> it takes a lot to step away from that. The new, the new world, we don't know how that goes yet. Chris, if I was running a CSD in an emerging market, I'd be very interested in this technology as a way of attracting. Ah, they're all interested. They're all interested. I didn't say they weren't interested. Okay. Now, but but they're, they're looking at it from the perspective of going into that business themselves, armed with a national monopoly on that business in that country. But to attract foreign capital to their market? Or just to provide an offering to their local capital? To provide, to provide an offer, offering to their local market and maybe an additional bonus of capturing international business. Okay. Now, Richard, could I ask you to, to pick up first the point which, which Doton made about, about regulation? I was wondering whether regulatory arbitrage would make a, a, a difference to this. And um, you just said, Chris emphasized the point that these entities, these CSDs are set up by 
and organized according to you know domestic regulatory rules and, and secondly pick up the the, the point that that uh, chris and Vivek have been making in their in their different ways i wonder whether uh, particularly csds in developed markets have a sort of bad attitude towards tokenization they see it as as offering too low a return or is too great a threat and they'd like it to occur after they've retired um maybe they just see it as as, as something which will happen either after they've uh, left the business or that it's not worth investing in now. And so I'm asking you two questions in one there. Is regulation going to help and do developed market CSCs have a bad attitude? Wrong attitude, perhaps, to be less contentious. <laughs> no, no that's, that's, that's fair. I think the um, um, statements that I've, that I've already heard, that the CSDs find themselves with a regulatory monopoly. They were ordained and created um, as and mostly compartmentalized by jurisdiction, by, by country. Um, and they find themselves with this phenomenal monopoly. Uh, and to a greater extent, those they serve, the members uh, and the, uh, the regulators that, that have ordained them, um, are, were quite happy with them in that position. While uh, we were in a position where fees were fat and, and margins were, were, were high, as we went through the 08 uh, crash and the members and uh, institutions, the actors in the financial system are now trying to reduce their fees and pass those uh, cost savings on to clients. We're starting to get some questions come in now. Um, somebody's asked whether this will be beneficial for MBA students. I'm gonna answer that. This is definitely beneficial for MBA students. You should watch this because it's the future of, of the securities markets and you will be top of your class if you pay close attention. Um, Couple of questions from John Fulk here. One is, um, will all the diverse back office systems of counterparties around the world be ready, even if there is a hockey stick takeoff? I think hockey stick was, was your phrase, um, Vivek. Uh, and John's second question is, can the parties in an emerging country afford the change? So two questions there. Um, will these back office systems uh, be, Vivek, can, will back office systems be ready? You've got lots of back office systems inside lots of CSDs. Can you adapt them very quickly to this um, tokenization opportunity? Inside lots of CSDs, uh, and Dominic with a lot of uh, intermediaries like custodians, right? And, uh, you know, uh, good to have John on the call. Uh, you know, hi, John. Um, wh what, I would, what I would say is that a lot of them are already talking to us, right? The, uh, you know, including uh, a lot of big custodians. They are talking to us to try and see how there is a level of coexistence, right? They are not seeing this as a complete disruption, a lot of them. They are trying to see how tokenized assets and today's, you could say, digital or electronic securities coexist and how, how do we do, uh, do both, right? Um, in, in that sense, I think they are preparing themselves uh, they are not really, uh, you know, um, going for it, uh, but they are asking for readiness. Uh, that is how I would put it. I think a lot of the custodians want readiness. Um, you know, some of them are looking at some countries which are moving in that direction. If you are a global custodian, you will absolutely be in those countries. Uh, so they want to be ready. Uh, so they want to be ready, preferably with the same system, which can do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, and when it comes to the CSDs, uh, they want to they want to experiment they want to try they want to say that they are ready but they are doing it in parallel to their existing systems they don't see them replacing it so this this is how i would characterize it but having said that when it comes to uh, both custodians and csds the number of our customers who are trying this 
is I would say less than 35%, less than one third, not more than 75%. So that's how I would characterize it. I'm glad you brought up the question of, of custodians, Vivek, because is the relationship between the, the custodians of gatekeepers to CSDs, is that actually an inhibitor of change? The CSDs actually lack the autonomy to be able to respond as aggressively to these opportunities as they would like in a way the custodians are holding them back. Is that a problem for them? Are, are their members an inhibitor of rapid change? Uh, yes and no, not not completely. Uh, in in a sense, you know, in a lot of the cases, they are also owners. They are they are on the board. Uh, you know, they are the primary stakeholders of the CSDs. So to some extent, uh, I would I would even venture to say that some of the board decisions, you know, they are part of it. So you don't know who disrupts whom, right? So it's like, uh, you know, disruption is not a not a great word, right? Uh, but then uh, I don't see enough of them seeing this as a business opportunity. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think there is a always a debate about whether there's a disruption or not. I think a lot of people have said, okay, this is not probably going to destroy my business, but is this a massive business opportunity for which, uh, you know, uh, be it a custodian, be it a CSD, need to do things differently in order to leverage that uh, that opportunity in order to grow grow uh, multifold. I think I think that is what is not there. That that drive is what is not there. Uh, everyone wants to sometimes, you know, sometimes even when they do try something, it's a little bit like, okay, I have tried it out. I know what it can do, cannot do. Uh, you know, it's like uh, we have pretty much stopped doing blockchain pilots, for example, you know, because we just don't want to do tokenization and blockchain pilots. It's just a tick in the box and you don't want to do another tick in the box pilot. Can I make, can I make a couple of related comments here? One is about the, the interface and, and to what extent the technology is being hindered. I don't think that's ever an issue. The tokenization startups that I, I've talked to over the last couple of years, they're all into standard integration using standard messaging protocols like Fix or Swift. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. I don't think that part of it are going to change. But for CSDs, and I'm sorry, Vivek, I, you know, I'm trying to take a step back and look at CSDs across the world now. We're not talking about 30%. We're talking about a, a much smaller fraction of that that might benefit from this kind of technology. For the others, they're asking the question, what, does this get, what problems do we have that this technology solves? I am not hearing any answers to that question. No, no CSDs have a problem that this, this technology can solve. Most of them don't have that problem at all. Yeah. I, think, I think just to chime in to Chris's points, and I, I agree um, wholeheartedly. I mean, I think when you, when, you, when you take a step back, one has to ask the question, you know, what are the benefits of tokenization um, in, in its entirety? And actually, when you look at it on face value, you know, that a lot of the benefits that have been purported around the technology uh, <laughs> may be, you know, their, their benefits towards the issuers, their potentially benefits towards, you know, um, uh, uh, assisting member firms around potentially, you know, back, back office efficiencies that they may be able to yield through the, the real-time nature and direct connectivity to the ledger. And so um, these may be benefits to the broader market, but not necessarily directly to the CSD. And so 
in, in the context of the CSD, there may not be an opportunity to serve these, these new assets with this new technology, but it may not necessarily be any more efficient. It may actually be more cost-effective to some extent to the well, technology. Actually, though, the, the issue there, that, that kind of extra benefit comes especially in, in omnibus account markets, mm. in, in non-direct holding markets, in beneficial holding markets. The issues have those benefits already, huh? To some extent. No, no absolutely. I, and I think... I think looking looking more broadly as well. I mean, one of the interesting th things about blockchain technology is is you can assume, you know, over the longer term, um, it, because of the connected nature of, of blockchains, because it's an entirely distributed network, because you can enable access relatively seamlessly from members and different participants across the broader ecosystem. I think once you have that in place um, and leveraging the, the the technology of smart contracts, th there is a potential to start to see you know an ecosystem where you can layer new services. Um, on top of this technology that are very um, close to the actual assets, the underlying assets that would exist across the entire li life cycle on that, on that ledger. So I think there are broader benefits and side benefits that the technology may yield, but it's not always obvious for specific um, organizations that are just look looking at the technology with a narrow view of how does it benefit my business directly. Okay, can I, uh, I want to bring Richard in now, but um, just before I do, um, Chris, uh, you didn't answer directly John Falk's question. Can the parties in an emerging market afford the change? I think you said they can. The, the cost of the technology is not the inhibitor here. We don't know. I haven't seen anyone's price list as yet. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, for, for us, it, it, it would have been would be an evolutionary change in the sense that if, if we in, if we implement uh, DLD technology as a as a you know the under, underlying engine in our CSD solution, then existing customers almost certainly will get that either at a heavy discount or, or for nothing. Right. And, and Vivek, um, cost of the technology is not the barrier here, it's other things. No, cost is not the barrier. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's just that a lot of them have not created the business case, created the project, uh, because they are, you know, sometimes I think, I think Chris spoke about it, Dorton spoke about it, it's like, uh, you know, uh, they should not see this as a technology uh, which is trying to solve a problem. Uh, tokenization is an opportunity. Uh, it is not, it's not about solving a problem. It's an opportunity to do a lot of new things which none of the CSDs do today. Uh, I think it can be in various new asset classes. It can be completely outside the listed market itself. And there are so many uh, assets that all of us hold, particularly if you look at emerging markets, the biggest investment that any single you know that most people in the world do uh, because of the nature of uh, you know real estate in these markets it's in real estate right a lot of people have 60 80 percent of their life savings in real estate what is the liquidity of this real estate you know what is the you know sometimes what is the way in which the real estate is held? Uh, you know people cannot buy into uh, you know corporate real estate so there are a lot of such opportunities i think these business cases will automatically fall in place if uh, more and more organizations, uh, regulators and CSDs look at this as an opportunity rather than as technology trying to solve some existing problem. And when they see this as an opportunity, the business case takes care of itself. Uh, price will not be an issue. Uh, I, I don't think price is the issue, Dominic. Okay, thanks, Vivek. Now, Richard, I'd like to bring you back in. You <laughs> heard everything that's being said, but perhaps I could, could, and I'm sure you've got things to say, but let me read a comment by Eugene Kemp here. Uh, we all understand asset safety and investor protection in a regulated environment, but surely we can ensure that those are covered in a new digital marketplace. Worst case scenario, the books and records must reconcile back to the investor and the issuer. 
the risk and return of a CSD needs to shift cost effectively because the benefits in a distributed financial market infrastructure space also change, so too do the risks and liabilities they cover. And when I listen to that, I'm thinking to myself that actually, when, when, I, when, when Doton and, and Chris are saying, well, actually, who benefits from you know, revolutionizing this system? Well, it's issuers and investors. Now, CSDs may not be the most expensive piece of this, but maybe they're an obstacle to, to those benefits being realized by issuers and investors. What do you think? We're coming to the end of a, a near 30-year wave of dematerialization of the public securities market, where we dematerialized what was a paper-based process into uh, electronic records. And we ordained by regulation in most jurisdictions a central database, an electronic record of these securities. And having centralized them, the regulators are now waking up to the risks of over-centralization. And we see that in other verticals uh, where something like Facebook has over-centralized social media and, and it causes an impact and effect on society. So too in the financial markets, the financial market infrastructure from the regulators' perspective, they recognize that they have over-centralized it. So jurisdictions like Hong Kong, Singapore, Switzerland, and now Germany have all moved to decentralize uh, some of their regulation so as to allow competition to come into these spaces where the CSD does exactly what it says on the tin. It is a central, uh, central repository, and that's what it was meant to, and that was born of. But it was also born of a centralizing technology. The reason we were able to do that was because technologies like databases became available, and we could actually electro create electronic silos of these records. Um, so what you're watching right now, and this will take time, are the regulators moving to decentralize, to remove the ordained status of these CSDs in each jurisdiction. You're watching new technologies, and they are emerging, coming through that will shake out databases and provide you a decentralized store of the securities that not one single entity has to have power over. And then on top of that, uh, you are starting to see the need for the much larger private securities market wanting to be dematerialized. It's, we've just done 30 years of investment in the public securities market, and to a greater extent, that's serving its purpose. I would agree with some of the panelists in terms of the challenges that we see in there are solved. But actually, the private security market is a much larger one, and there is no desire to move those to centralized uh, repositories what we are watching is those private securities being moved very rapidly onto decentralized platforms. Okay, well, I'd, I'd like to come back to that, that opportunity thing. And, and Dotion, I see your, your hand raised, so, so I'd love to hear what you have to say. But let me just uh, read a comment by one of our member of, of our audience, Jamie Allsop, who says, I actually wonder if there's a macro problem here for CSDs, and that is the maturity of decentralization in the regulatory space, which is an opportunistic side effect of digitization. Uh, that that he thinks might actually reduce the importance of CSDs. The role would still exist, but the centralization of the business model might shrink. So Richard, can we get decentralized CSDs? I think that's what you're already starting to see emerging are decentralized CSDs to use a term. If you watch the fast moving crypto space, they are reinventing the wheel. They're reinventing finance. They're tracking very quickly through financial history and they will arrive at a decentralized CSD um, relatively quickly. Um, 
they know that they have to be regulated and they know that they have to take the regulatory cloak, but they're also jostling to get that regulatory handbook changed and adjusted. And regulators are open to listen to some of the changes. I wouldn't say that the, the regulator is going to uh, move dramatically. Nobody sitting on the audience should, should think that somehow the regulatory handbook is going to be torn up, but we are seeing regulatory changes. So the question here around the regulatory position in Europe, Switzerland has already uh, enacted changes to their regulation, so has Germany, and you'd expect the UK to do, to do so too. Same as Liechtenstein and Monaco as well. You're addressing the question from one of our member audience, how do you see the regulatory position on tokenization evolving in Europe? So we've seen change in Switzerland, we've seen change in, what did you say, France, uh, Richard? Oh, we have, and I think it, it is rather, rather much like Kodak or Blockbuster to stand there and think that your regulatory position is going to defend you and the existing market conditions are going to remain the same. It, it is much like uh, suggesting that you're going to carry on selling uh, film, photographic film to your clients or uh, DVDs to your uh, hiring DVDs or VHS tapes to your uh, to your consumers. You're you're going to see this market evolve very rapidly. Uh -huh. Sorry, Jason, you wanted to you had something to add there. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think thematically it, it, it connects together, you know, the points that Richard made, made on regulation and decentralization. I think to start with, I'll make the point on on the regulatory side. I mean, I think it's important to look at the principles that really drive you know, how regulations are formed um, in, in and around this area. And I think it's important um, to understand that whilst we may see regulatory change emerging in this space, um, you know, it, it changes a lot in line with those, those fundamental principles and, and, and not, not um, um, in opposition to them. And I think on the decentralization uh, point, because um, a lot of times when we think about decentralization, we think about it in the context of, you know, disintermediation, our uh, certain participants in the ecosystem today are not going to be there in the future. And I think it's very important um, to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, decentralization is a sliding scale. Um, and I think, you know, there are fundamental, there's a fundamental, fundamental role for accountability for, for uh, you know, around service provision, you know, even in the context of technology, because, you know, ultimately technology fails. Um, and so we need to have policies and procedures in place. Who, who's going to be account, who's going to be on the hook for managing disaster recovery and business continuity around some of these infrastructures? And it's it's very easy to do with a single centralized party. It's very difficult to do in a wholly decentralized context. Where you know when you look at, for example, the uh, public uh, blockchain networks. And so I think you know we have to we have to take a, a, a cautious view when we look at the, at the at the kind of crypto markets for inspiration around how we see the future. The capital markets, because obviously, you know, it's it's a very different world, and there are broader considerations that are not just connected to the technology and the value that it provides from a business perspective, but also around risk management and risk mitigation and resiliency, and and and, and all of these um, kind of core principles that we need to maintain around ensuring stability in these markets that are ultimately systemically important. Now, I'd like to to pick up the 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 point Vivek was bringing here about the, the this is actually an opportunity as well as a threat. Now, what, a member of our audience has said, how can CSDs speed the process of getting the market ready for the tokenization revolution? So there's a proactive role which which CSDs could play. Giles Elliott asks, uh, what asset varieties are going to see the most rapid traction? Will it be the tokenization of existing securities as per mini bonds, or new asset classes such as real estate? What you brought up, uh, Vivek private equity, trade finance, uh, et cetera. So let's talk about the asset classes first. And I'd like to talk a little bit about um, roles that CSDs could perform, some quite boring jobs which CSDs could also do as well as making these new asset classes possible. So 
Vivek, what's your, uh, and Chris, I'm sure you have a view on this, what's your uh, predictions on which asset classes are going to get most rapid traction with tokenization? In other words, are existing securities going to transition into this, or are we going to start with real estate and collectibles and fine art and other illiquid asset classes? I, I, I'll take a first shot at it, uh, Dominic. I, I would think new asset classes. Uh, we are seeing a lot of traction on the private banking and uh, the private investment side. <clears throat> now that is because, uh, you know, you know, I mean, the, you know, uh, Richard spoke about uh, the public securities. Now there is an established way of handling that, and uh, I think a lot of innovation will happen in complete white spaces, right? And that innovation will be ahead of regulation. Innovation is not going to wait for regulation in this space. Regulation is going to follow innovation, in my opinion, right? Um, in, to a great extent, I mean, dematerialization and electronic securities are a regulated phenomenon, right? They were, uh, they were created, to, uh, the CSDs were created, uh, dematerialization was enforced in order to create efficiency, which to take out problems in a paper-based world or in an immobilized world, right? Uh, tokenized, security, tokenized securities, tokenized assets, it's not going to follow the same path. It is not going to go out there to solve some problems in today's electronic world or demetralized world. It is probably going to take off on the basis of solving problems in some parallel asset classes, in aspects that are not listed on stock exchanges and not handled the way CSDs handle them today. And then probably some of the, the current securities and assets which are handled by CSDs will also start following their path. That is how I would, I would look at it. If you look at the payment industry, I mean, innovation has happened completely parallel to the banking industry. It is not waited for the banks and the regulators to tell people how to pay with a mobile phone. It's, it's just happened in parallel and, and then others have to follow because if you don't follow, you are out of that part of the transaction chain. So I would think that uh, it will happen first in uh, other asset classes, um, exotic ones also possibly like art and uh, you know, various other uh, you know exotic real estate, but. Um, not not necessarily lead the way with listed bonds and equities. And do you, as a question here from from Marianne Callahan, uh, are CSDs learning from the? And Richard brought this up. Are, are CSDs learning from the DeFi developments? Are Ethereum and other protocols carrying DeFi transactions a new kind of CSD for moving and subaccounting for digital securities positions and transactions? So are CSDs actually learning in their core functions from what's going on in, in, in the DeFi markets. Vivek, your clients are studying closely what's happening in DeFi. I think perhaps that could be a new way of doing things or not? Uh, so studying closely, but not doing enough. They, they're not, not doing enough in terms of actual introduction of, uh, you know, you could say new business processes. Maybe there, it takes time, uh, you know, to introduce it into the market, mm -hmm. but, but studying closely, yes. Are they going to introduce it into the markets? I would say not yet, mm -hmm. not yet. Right. That, that's how I would put it, which is why a lot of times I wonder that some of these will happen in parallel. And a big hi to Marianne also and to Giles. I'll make a couple of uh, related comments as well. And, and this takes, takes back to something that was said earlier about uh, trying to economize and reduce the fees in CSD space. Well, in in a beneficial owner market model, those fees are really pushed down to the minimum by regulation. 
they are they are considered to be part of the infrastructure, so they don't charge very much at all. What happens in those markets is that they're intermediate, intermediated markets. So it's the the custodians, account operators, that get the fees. The CSD isn't allowed to charge much, so that in turn feeds into their ability to invest in new technology, and they're saying, well, the emperor might not be naked, but he's very scantily clad. We're not impressed. So, you know, the only thing that you're left with then is brand new uncontested areas, white spaces, as Vivek called them. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's open game. And they're looking at it. Oh, this is an opportunity to make extra money. And that's going to drive it. Okay. If there's a way to get into new business, spend a little bit of money on, on new technology and, and try and grab some of that new business, of course, they will try and complete, compete. They may have to go cap in hand to you know the, the 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 state to get some kind of funding in many countries. In others, they may have enough set aside to be able to do it themselves. But it's those new spaces where they're more likely to make headway and and make and make changes in their own business operations that are likely to bring bring some more stability and and financial benefit to them. I love the idea that the it's the clients of the CSDs are the real problem. And actually, as John, as John Fault points out to us here that as the ASX has found in trying to move to a blockchain technology, a major inhibitor on, on making progress of that project has been the reluctance of the users uh, to adopt the, the technology. So you're right, Chris, I think uh, the clients do sometimes move a bit too slowly. And as Doton said, you've got to make it, um, not Doton, uh, Vivek said, you've got to make it invisible to them and it's got to happen naturally. So Richard, um, what what do you think? And, and and could I ask you also to think about some of the more boring tasks, which more boring opportunities, which which CSDs have here? For example, I was I was looking at what's happening in cash and collateral management, um, which has emerged as a, as a positive use case for for tokenization to reduce the cost of those cash and security buffers, which every global bank uh, maintains in in multiple markets. Uh, in order to be confident it can it can make payments and, and settle securities trades. And then I look across at DeFi and I see that they've developed this you know collateralized uh, token lending uh, system. So th- there are definitely lessons that, that the existing markets could could learn from uh, from what's happening in DeFi. But when I when I've talked to CSDs, they also think they see a role continuing role for themselves, for example, as governors of permissions networks and we haven't really discussed whether these networks are going to be permissioned or not but they see themselves as kind of gatekeepers admitting participants they see themselves doing things like running kyc aml cft sanctions screening uh checks um as well as you know making it possible for liquid asset classes so they're kind of scripting for themselves an administrative role which may not actually exist if this technology evolves towards permissionless open-ended networks uh, Richard, do you do you think that uh, CSDs are smoking the wrong um, substance uh, in imagining that they can have a continuing role if this technology advances and scales quickly? I think ASX is a, a really good um, segue into that into that question. If you are a CSD or in, in ASX's case, uh, one of the, uh, the larger markets market infrastructure and you believe that you're going to straightforwardly swap out your tech for the old tech for a new tech, but not involve the members, you'll learn the first valuable lesson of, of distributed ledgers or blockchain in, in that there's only so much fun you can have on your own without, uh, with, a, with a blockchain. And I think that is where ASX learned that lesson. Um, and lastly, in their project, they started to talk to their 
members and the ecosystem who pointed out that they didn't just want a lift and shift replacement of their technology. They wanted to have a rethink of the value chain and the business structure where the members would like the CSDs to sit in a governance role, ensuring that the network is, is well governed, that the actors on that network have got KYC and we might solve some of the larger challenges around AML, CTF and, uh, and thus KYC. So we all know who's on this network. We don't have to work out individually, uh, bilaterally, who we're interacting with. The network uh, is not anonymous. Um, and those types of roles you can see in the new world, uh, the, the CSDs and, and other market infrastructure participants taking on. But to believe that they, they're going to sit as uh, some sort of ordained intermediary owning both the tech platform and the ecosystem as one fails to understand the, the, the evolution of things like Uber and Airbnb and what they've done to each of their verticals. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, Giles Elliott has come back specifically on a, on a point you made, Chris, about beneficial owner market margins. He asks, does a future token CSD need to offer a higher self-servicing option or set of options so that local custodians are no longer critical to the cross-border model? And listening to what Richard just said and um, what was said earlier about custodians by John Falk, you know, could that drive a change across the screen? In other words, CSDs start to deal directly, that their end users start to, they start to, to self-service on a, on a CSD platform. Other, you know, not going through sub-custodians as the gatekeepers anymore. Um, uh, you're, you're thinking about that, Chris. Um, Vivek, uh, do you, did you want to have a go at it, to Giles's point first? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, self-servicing options, uh, you know, definitely, I think that's the way forward, right? I think uh, if, you know, if you want a yes or no question to what Giles has asked, I would think so. I think, uh, you know, there are, uh, multiple factors here. One is the large global custodians, uh, you know, will will ad adopt, right? They will move fast when they need to move fast. A lot of them are talking to us. Uh, they will not be the ones who will actually be uh, be struggling to change when the change comes, because they, they can move fast. And, you know, uh, we are already seeing that, right? A lot of them are our customers, we see that. Uh, the, the local custodians and, uh, and the smaller custodians, you know, they will have a challenge. And I think, uh, you know, the CSDs have to create uh, solutions with which they can enable them. I think today when we look at it, when we want to run some of these streams in parallel, uh, we also want to create solutions that will enable all of the smaller players to connect. Uh, they are not going to be able to, uh, you know, do this themselves. Uh, and I think in a cross-border world, maybe some of the smaller CSDs also may not be able to you know, uh, ado uh, you know, adopt these technologies quickly. So I think you need the, uh, you need the enabling, um, you know, uh, you could say solutions and the infrastructure to do that. Maybe it's the responsibility of the CSDs to do that in order to carry the market along, or the, otherwise you will have too too few players uh, in the tokenized markets. Okay, so let me let me give the the vendors perspective on this. Um, I have been preaching, shouting from the rooftops at my customers and my prospects about self-service because the last thing you want to do is put bums on seats, pay extra salary, hire staff to do stuff that, that your damn stakeholders should be doing for themselves. I, I'm fed up of carrying that message to our customers. 
They don't accept it. You're still dealing with human beings who don't trust each other at some level. I, I, you know, I, I've seen, I mean, some of my customers have not, they haven't just centralized the depository. They've centralized the registry and the maintenance of, of investor records themselves. And the number of people in that department involved in that work is about 75% of the total, total staff count at work, you know, compared to other markets where that, that's farmed out through intermediaries. It, it, it's a hard message to take to them. And I can tell you that the restriction is not in the technology. The existing CST technology allows that uh, self-service uh, uh, business model to be implemented as well. The, the holdup is in the hearts and minds of the people you know, who are in charge of this. Of course, I would love to see that. It, it, it's irrelevant to, to the, the underlying technology. Maybe with tokenization, that they have no choice, but uh, there's still questions about that in terms of who actually will oversee data quality. Because that's what it's about. It's ensuring data quality and that the updates that get posted to your, your business persistent layer match business rules and regulations. Uh, a, a, quick, a quick mention on the earlier point, uh, Dominic, just, just only one comment. I would think that uh, you know, CSDs are very natural uh, you could say um, um, very, it will be very natural at running permissioned uh, you know, ecosystems, right? I, I would think so. I think they're almost designed for it. Yep. Right. I think, I think they're just right in there. They already run, a, run an ecosystem. Uh, they are nature made for running permissioned uh, networks, if you would say that, right? Uh, are they geared for, uh, you know, um, uh, to a completely open world? I would say not as much so. Are they in the best position to run permissioned uh, ecosystems? Absolutely. But can I can I ask you, Vivek, directly? Do you think that all the functions that 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 do, you know, the issuance, the registration, uh, maintaining the integrity of the issue, the settlement, the safekeeping, the asset servicing, in some cases the funds and the collateral, all those things they do, could those be done? by specialist providers on tokenization platforms. In other words, you could have almost a permanent auction of different service providers to do that piece of the work. So you can do away with this big centralized organization that carries out all these functions in one place and instead have a sort of daily best of breed uh, servicing model, that self-servicing we were talking about earlier. No. That, that's not going to fly Absolutely. because Absolutely. because if you win the auction today and, and you weren't in possession of it yesterday, how are you going to transfer all those uh, balances to the new platform? Not not so straightforward. So, sorry, Vivek, to cut in. No, no problem. No, I, I think uh, I think in terms of best of class solutions, you know, some of these are possible, right? I think the the, the solutions can be made available uh, as so as more and more software becomes software as a service. I think people will use services from you know different uh, different uh, providers, best in class, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think the supervisory uh, element will have to be centralized. There will have to be a supervisory factor. So I think CSDs will have a, a very big role to play in that supervisory uh, element. Uh, not all the software that they run needs to be run or created and run by them. They can use a best in class service from somewhere else. You take KYC as an example. I'll just give one example. You take KYC as an example. It can be a best-in-class KYC provider that runs KYC uh, in one centralized manner for a country or for a particular, you know, you could say jurisdiction, whatever that may be. 
asset right? class because everybody needs it not just the right the telecom provider needs it everybody all kinds of people needs it the supermarket needs it whoever needs it the payment provider payment bank needs it they could run it the csd doesn't need to kyc why would the csd want to do it they can take the best in class kyc service and continue to provide settlement you know that's what i meant chris right i think where possible you can take a best in class service you can take it in a saas model on the cloud you don't need to run it you just need to supervise it but do we need kyc at all if we have digital identities <gasps> oh yeah <laughs> mm, oh, yeah, yeah uh, so digital identity becomes the kyc Uh-huh. Now, digital that, identity is the customer. Uh, right. Um <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd, I'd I'd like to 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 bring you in and uh, Marianne has written, has asked another question and it, it's a useful one because I think whatever pace this actually happens at we're going to have these new tokenization platforms living alongside conventional securities markets for some time and we may well have tokenization platforms operating to what in amount to, to separate standards they're going to need to, to interoperate if we're going to have liquidity and all the benefits that flow from that marian asks can we reframe csd security settlement systems which are already industry governed regulated securities ledger utilities and make common investment in the new tech to interconnect members in financial instruments and transactions more coherently on a common self-recognizing universal ledger in other words is there a compromise here between the old world of csds and the new world or uh, which is being built in in defi in particular and end up with a with a wholly better system which capitalizes on the strengths of uh, of both worlds um it sounds like a a, a, a brilliant and harmonious vision doton is it actually realistic and richard i'm uh, sure you on this in a minute yeah i mean i i i'd be hesitant to to accept defi as as part of this um hypothetical universe i think you you're probably going one step one step a couple of steps too far there given that it you know it it's it's a it's a, a universe that serves um crypto assets today and 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 provides a function of allowing the organic growth of liquidity in crypto assets um solving a problem in that market but I, but i don't think that would that would fly in a regulated context and um, given the pseudonymity of a lot of those services and how they're they're designed today but again it's very nascent it will continue to evolve and there may be inspiration that can be brought into the existing financial service world i mean i think if i look forward i would say um you know in the context of digital securities i i i wouldn't expect you to see you know one ledger to rule them all you you would you would likely see a patchwork of 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 of, of dlt networks potentially governed by um financial markets infrastructure providers um and potentially you know regionally separated right um obviously interoperability is one of the things that blockchain can do quite well in terms of providing you know mechanisms to allow assets to transition from one chain to another through uh you know time locked uh transfers etc but you know that would be the future that I would in, in, envisage I would say and it may very well be you have these permissioned ledgers with um you know uh, uh, uh centralized uh, gatekeepers that allow assets to transition from public ledgers um to to these private networks um but but obviously those those transition points may represent the point in which assets are in effect dematerialized um and, and and otherwise um well, I guess we'll have to see now now can I, can I come in on a really really crucial point here dominic which is that the, the fly in the ointment here is cash and that's the fundamental driving reason originally for centralization if you break cash up into separate segregated token arenas you are breaking liquidity up into smaller and smaller portions and when you do that 
your overall liquidity requirements increase actually because you can't offset things, uh, sales against purchases if it's a separate liquidity segment. It doesn't, doesn't work. That, 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 people forget why we centralize things in the first place. It wasn't just regulation. It was that cash ties everything together. Richard, um, you heard Doton say that one reason that DeFi is, is not fashioning the, the marketplace of the futures, it's not regulated. Now, I, I read the other day a paper, I think it was from the FATF, which was offering advice to regulators on how they should start to regulate the DeFi market. So the regulators are looking at that. They expect one day to, to, to take an interest in it. Clearly, all sorts of very interesting uh, experiments are going on there, including experiments which address the question, which the problem which Chris has just alluded to of if you break um, cash up into different pieces, you, you lose liquidity. That problem is also being solved by, by, by DeFi. So what's the, are, 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 are your fellow panelists being way too conservative about the possibilities that are inherent in this new technology of tokenization? I think if you look across between the crypto space and, uh, and the existing financial system, um, they are converging at a rapid rate of knots. Uh, it is wrong to state that um, the crypto market is unregulated. It, it doesn't matter whether you do financial services over a phone, over email or over the internet, uh, it is still a financial service. And if so, you are uh, under the within the reg regulatory regime. Um, you may not know it and you may not recognize it, uh, but I can assure you the regulator will come knocking at some point um, and they will they will chase you. As, as we have seen over the uh, over the period of the last five, 10 years, uh, the regulator does come knocking uh, when you uh, when you start to do regulated activities. That's why it's called a regulated activity. Um, what we are seeing, though, is the institutions that have grown up on the crypto side are taking regulation. They are accepting regulation and becoming licensed entities. And with it, they are bringing their new thinking, their new ideas and their new technologies. Uh, at the same time, the incumbents are recognizing that that new thinking and those new technologies are driving their uh, and are a driving force within their markets. And they are starting to learn or acquire uh, the uh, uh, either both the technology and the institution on the side. So we tend to use the, the last line of Animal Farm in this regard, which is the creatures look from pig to man and back to man to pig and could not see the difference. Over time, these two are going to become the same thing. So people that are talking about DeFi or CeFi, it's all financial services. You're just using a different technology to achieve it. Um, so it is wrong for the CSDs to, to think that, or foolish for them to think that, that what's going on in the DeFi world will remain in the DeFi world or in the crypto world. Those two worlds are converging and you will live, regardless of how close you are to retirement, you will live to see it. Now, what about Marianne's Callahan's um, point, which is, you know, are CSDs well-placed to moderate these digital exchanges of value as these worlds converge? They become what she calls switching stations, which enable interoperation between uh, these decentralized ledgers uh, for tokenized securities and private securities, native tokens, payment tokens, and indeed traditional securities. Do, do we actually need that switching station role to be performed by CSDs to provide the, the playing field on which these interoperating networks 
Yeah, I think we need some kind of a trusted body, you would say. I think, uh, you know, I think the regulator would want, you know, there would be a need for regulation as things mature. You know, everything gets regulated eventually, right? I think it's like, like everything gets taxed eventually. Everything gets regulated eventually, right? I think it will. Uh, I think that's, it, that's not Marianne's question. Marianne's question is, 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 the, is a technological one, a sort of infrastructural one. Do you need a switching station, whether it's regulated or not? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Coexistence will be there if I get the question right, Dominic. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we are not going to completely replace existing systems at all, existing CSDs at all. So if you take a technology view, I think there will be a need for coexistence. And I think like Dotun said, there would be also a need for interoperability between different blockchains, not just different networks, and between current networks and blockchain-based ecosystems. It's, it's absolutely needed. The switching will have to take place. And, and the sooner the better, because then you would have, you know, you could you would solve some of the liquidity issues. Uh, you could have better flow, and when there is better flow, you know, you will you will solve a lot of the business case issues. Now we're down to our last um, minute and a half, but here's a really interesting, and a, uh, so we must stop fairly soon. But here's a really interesting perspective from one of one of our members, uh, one of our audience members. Uh, Dung Trung Lu, he says, I think the CSD would not have any problem when to tokenize securities. CSDs may even prefer to do so. But it's the exchange which will have the problem with tokenized securities because the exchange has to take a lot more small fractionalized trading orders. It will make the transition line overloaded or congested. What do you think? Richard, I'm sure you've got an answer to that. And I'm sure that, uh, that Doton will have one as well. And I can see Chris is giving the thumbs up to the, to the question. Richard, what's the answer to that? I'll make I'll make one rather quick. I think um, that is a good question, and and actually uh, recognise that the real innovation that we have seen over the last five years coming out of the crypto space is that the digital asset is listed on multiple exchanges and can transfer across between those exchanges. So he's absolutely right to recognise that we're going to see a, a much larger um, set of exchanges trading the very same securities and not the siloed uh, consideration that we have today where a security is listed only on one exchange. And I think that's where, where you will, you'll see the driving force. Uh, Dejan, what do you, what, what's your answer to Dung Trung's question? Too many bitsy bitsy little orders overwhelming the, uh, the broad, you know, there's not enough bandwidth to accommodate them. I, in some in some ways, I largely dis disagree. I, I think you know it, whether 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 an asset is digital or otherwise um, doesn't really affect how um, a secondary market trading happens from an order flow perspective. I mean, I think downstream of trading, when you look at you know post trade settlement and how um, settlement instructions are formed and then dispatched uh, to to CSDs, uh, it will all depend really on the on the market model and um, for these digital securities. You know, are you, are you going to have uh, settlement netting or you're going to settle in every individual transaction in real time uh, and that's a question of whether you settle you know t plus zero t plus n um so so you know there are lots of questions there and there's lots of exploration going on in this space to really try to attempt to answer them but um you know i expect some level of variability in terms of you know what where the future what the future might hold there but I, ultimately from a from an exchange perspective i don't think it makes that much of a difference either way mm -hmm. for us at least uh, uh, chris you were giving lots of thumbs up there to that question um are you just saying uh, no I, I don't have anything you know especially germane to add other than what, what's already been said but yeah the it's a bitty orders i mean well it, the, tesco didn't the, the, the tesco founder said uh 
pile it high and sell it cheap, maybe that is the way of the future. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's in smaller lumps. If it all adds up and everything can be automated, then there, there shouldn't be an issue. Perhaps the tokenized uh, trading system can support that. It might so. not be a bad thing. I think so. I think tokenized trading would not be a problem at all. I think Dorton also said that. I think, I think that would not be an issue. That would not be an issue. We have millions of trades uh, in in a lot of our countries now. Um, in fact, it would lead to a lot of democratization of access to investment, which would not be there without tokenization. So, if you were to uh, finish with the social angle, I think you would have a democratization aspect uh, when you were to look at uh, tokenization. Right? There are some. A lot of things which are not reachable today for a lot of people in terms of investment. Oh, Kenneth Galbraith has a different view of that uh, democratization, where you divide all the all uh, the actual power into smaller and smaller bits. It's more along the divide and rule <laughs> kind of camp <laughs> than giving you know true democracy. Um, you're talking of John Kenneth Galbraith, right? Yes, I am. Um, Dung Trung, there's your answer. There's no, um, the, the, the trading side is not going to be problematic. Now, I don't like to finish without at least raising all the points which our audience have brought up. James Zorab says, uh, in a tokenized distributed CSD world, what is likely to be the process for investors to gain access to the underlying asset? Surely there needs to be a legal framework to gain asset access to the gold or oil field you've invested in. And I, and I guess the answer to that is, it's, yeah, we need uh, we need a, we need laws and, and regulation laws in particular securities laws, security token laws, which we touched on earlier. Does anyone disagree with that? We talked about it earlier, so well, I think, I think, yeah. just like we not very different from how ET not not very different from ETFs on gold today, for example. I'd also securities are a you know a fractional ownership in a in the assets of the company, aren't they? Yeah. So I think that that problem is right. Yeah. Right. Sold, we were discussing it earlier, yeah. uh, but it's a soluble, a soluble one. Now, can we just can we can we end? Uh, I'll ask each of you this this question as to what you, and I'd like our audience to sort of carry away a clear idea from each of you what you think is going to happen next. So, are CSDs going to simply wither away in the face of of, of tokenization actually happening, uh, or will they be even competed away? as business moves away to, to new networks of which they are not part? Or do we think they are capable? Are they morally, culturally, politically, economically, and commercially capable of reinventing themselves to seize the opportunities which all of you in your different ways ha have alluded to? So is the, is the spectre which is haunting uh, CSDs going to consign them to the dustbin of history? Or are they going to uh, to emerge as harbingers of a whole new new world. Is it going to be good for CSDs or bad for CSDs? I'm sort of rambling a bit here, but um, just a, a final thought for our audience to carry away. What's going to happen to CSDs? Is this the angel of death or the angel of some glorious future for them? Uh, Vivek, what do you think? I think CSDs will stay. I think they have been created with a certain structure, which uh, will, you know, I think they will stay. Um, a lot of them will adapt to uh, to a new way of doing things, to new business. A number of them will not, right? A number of them will continue to do what they do today, and they will see that that and only that is their purpose, and that alone is their purpose. Which means that other organizations will emerge, which will address the tokenized market, which will address the different asset classes, and they will be almost like CSDs. They will have they will have that 
uh, the, the ability to run pretty much uh, that entire ecosystem. Uh, that that could be for real estate. That could be for other asset classes, uh, and and that will happen. So some CSDs only will will adapt to to both the worlds. Others will continue to do what they do today. Is my opinion. So are they? Will those two but worlds not, merge or collide? Vivek, sorry, sorry, Dominic. Will the two worlds you've described merge with each other eventually, or will they collide with each other? Will these worlds compete? They might start like that. I, I think so. I, I think so. I think I think there will be some. Uh, they, they will compete, and a lot of the liquidity. Uh, it's possible that it will go to the tokenized world, particularly if the tokenized world enables you to uh, to uh, to trade in smaller smaller pieces, right? I think more of the liquidity will go there, uh, which which means that uh, you know the the CSD world becomes more of record keeping. Okay. Thanks, uh, Chris. You, you you've heard Vivek say. The old world and the new are going to grow up alongside each other. They will compete. They may eventually collide. They may eventually merge with each other. Uh, this future will take a while to to materialize. What's what's your view of what's going to happen to CSDs over the next five to ten years? Not a lot. I think uh, the the CSDs don't have anything to worry about in respect of their current business. I think long term, the CSDs will come compete some better some worse uh, with the, the new technology, in the new technology. And I think, I think if you run the experiment long enough, another 50, 100 years, I think you may find that the pressure to centralize again and standardize everything under a single, uh, a single authority, a single or organization will come back. And the pendulum will swing back again in that direction. That's my view. So, Dotan, um, you've heard Chris's um, of Chinese view of history, it's it's a circular activity. We decentralize, then we recentralize. What, what's your what do you think is going to happen to to, to CSDs over the next five to ten years? They're going to wither away, be competed away, or reinvent themselves? I, I think I think we're, we're largely going to see an evolutionary change um, for, for a number of reasons. I think um, for, on the subject that we haven't really touched on today, I think there's something of a fundamental role for CSDs when you consider. You know the DVP angle and the, the you know the P angle of that, which essentially is central bank money. And with you know the the, the a lot of the considerations around CBDCs at the moment, I think uh, CSDs are very well placed to really you know be the driving force of, of of those initiatives, right? For obvious reasons. And then I think separate to that, to Chris's previous point around you know I, I, there's likely going to be more inertia from regulators in terms of and pushing for more competition in the CSD space and maybe potentially making that easier from an authorization standpoint. But I think even with that, you know, one needs to consider the, the fragmentation of liquidity to Chris's point where, you know, if, if I'm a, 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 a member of, of an exchange and I'm trading two, two separate stocks, it's more efficient for me to have cash in a single CSD to settle both of those transactions than it would be to have my cash spread across both unless there is a, an underlying DLT ledger that connects that together and makes that seamless. So, you know, a lot of consideration would need to be done around ensuring that, you know, we are providing value to to the market. And Richard, a, a last word from you. What, however this unfolds, it's going to be prolonged, it's going to be messy. What, where do you think we're going to, to end up? Are these CSDs going to be competed away? Or are they going to be absorbed into the new world? Or are they going to reinvent themselves? Uh, I think I, I would agree with Chris's um, suggestion. This is a pendulum. Uh, it swung very heavily towards centralization um, over the last two, three decades. And over the next two to three decades, it will decentralize. Some CSDs will work their way up the stack to deliver higher, more higher value, uh, higher value services. Um, others will wither away because they've remained um, trying to deliver 
a, uh, a service which has, has now been uh, either become technologically uh, obsolete or from a regulatory perspective compete, competed out. Um, the, the fundamental thematic though uh, around cash starting to uh, commingle with the same assets um, of the securities, the essential DVP or delivery versus payment, effectively no one makes a payment um, for no apparent reason. They make it uh, in this industry for the settlement of, uh, settlement of delivery of, of assets. Putting those two together on the same network, on the same fabric, on the same ledger is arguably where we are going to see the greatest benefit from a cost efficiency play. And that will open up uh, a much more robust market. And regulators are already recognizing that and pushing towards that goal. And to be clear what, you're, what you mean by cash there, you're talking CBDCs rather than cryptocurrencies or CBDCs and cryptocurrencies? I think what you have learned from the crypto side will now be brought across, be it a central bank digital currency or a commercial bank's digital currency. Um, from our perspective, uh, we've created um, those two discrete legs of the same transaction um, have to occur separately. And what we'll now see is them coming together. And as we bring them together, we'll see more efficiencies in the, uh, in the securities industry. Okay. In other words, CBDCs may well be the key that unlocks the, the progress here. Um, thank you for that, that last uh, thought, Richard. And, and I, I think we must stop there. So I'd like to thank uh, our panelists, Chris Richardson, uh, Vivek, uh, Richard, and, uh, and Dota from London Stock Exchange. I'd also like to thank you, our audience, for all your interest, all your questions, all your comments. But for now, it's goodbye from the six of us. Thank you.